Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Good to be back with you guys. Mitch Michaels here on this sports podcast where we are going to talk about the NFL Draft. I got my boys, my gambling brothers, Kent Brown and Matt Gothard, Yahoo Sports family, to discuss the NFL Draft 2020. It's going to be a virtual draft, a lot of uncertainty at the top. Joe Burrow and Chase Young appear to be set in stone at picks one and two to the Bengals and Redskins. After that, there is a lot to discuss. Where does Tua go? Will Herbert be the second quarterback taken ahead of the Alabama signal caller? How many receivers go in the first round? When will we see a running back? It's tackle heavy. And what are the favorite prop bets that we like all the way through the first round? Maybe beyond. It's Mitch Michaels here. Money Mitch Effect. And it starts right now. All right, we're back. The boys are back in town. It's been a month since I've said hello to you folks out there, and it's been well over a year since I've had these guys on together. Kent Brown, Matt Gothard here on the Money Mitch Effect. It's a little bit of a running with the money reunion. We're here to talk NFL draft, and fellas, finally some sports to actually watch and to actually bet on. It's the NFL draft, the virtual edition. Let's say hi to the fellas first. Kent Brown in L.A. What's up, man? Well, I'm excited that we actually have an event to look forward to that's at the time that it's supposed to be at. Of course, I'm also kind of fascinated what's going to go on with this interactive draft. I just I was reading some tweets earlier how there were GMs all on a conference call earlier and one GM had to tell his kids to get off their iPads because the bandwidth was too much and their Internet connection went down. And uh, it's going to be a fascinating deal. I have to think that teams need to have like plan B, plan C, plan D, maybe even a plan E and F, because I don't know if necessarily draft night, everybody's going to have the normal protocol that you would typically have if you're in a facility with everyone else. So on that front, it's going to be odd. But on the other hand, it's just, as we said, it's a sporting event that we can bet on, an event that we can look forward to, and one that we actually will be able to see in the time that it was supposed to be at with no delay. Yeah, I think the I think there might be a comedy aspect to this that I think we're all enjoying. If that if something freezes, it's a bunch of old people, older folks, I should say, with technology. That's always fun. Uh, speaking of uh, having some fun, we're, we're talking to someone in Iowa. Matt Gothard went home during the uh, the crisis going on in the world. So, Matt, how you doing out there? Not actually, surprisingly, not the person I thought that would be in Iowa during all this. Right, you think it would be our uh, our resident Ames, and I'm actually in Ames. That's the best. That's wow. the best part of this whole thing is I'm in Ames. But no, man, I'm excited to make some history. This is the first time in uh, in my existence that I've ever even freaking thought about betting on the NFL draft, and uh, that is saying a lot because I've you know bet on women's rugby at some point. This will be the first time I've actually got some action down on the draft. But as you said. A man's got to do what a man's got to do, and this man needs some action, so I am ready to get going. Yeah, and I want to make sure that Matt knows and everyone knows that listens, that <laughs> home that Matt's in, that was not financed with campaign money. It was not. Uh, it's still great. It still holds up. Uh, for, you know, it, It's true. I, I'm, I'm just glad that we have something to bet on. I know, Matt, that you're always looking for something. If there's rules and regulation and, and uh, you know, it's a sporting event, you're willing to bet on it. And, but you do, have, you, do have, you do have morals with this stuff, which is more than I could say about Kent sometimes. But we got the NFL draft. We're ready to go. And uh, I do want to start with this. I mean, Kent, every year when we look at the draft, we're looking at prospects and we're looking at the uncertainty at the top of the list. 
there's usually a, a, a pinpoint in the draft when you say, okay, this is where the unexpected might happen. And for a lot of people out there, it's that number three pick. Are you buying that one and two in Burrow and Chase Young are pretty pretty set in stone and three is where the action really starts? Yeah, because I think it would be it would make a lot of sense for the Lions to trade down and they can get a cornerback later in the first round or even a few picks later. And this also opens up the aspect of if there's a team that absolutely wants Tua or Justin Herbert and that team knows I can get that guy at three. Because if you look at the odds, and this is something that the draft and these gurus do a good job of, if you look at the trends, Chase Young went from like, ah, he's a slight favorite to be the number two pick to now an overwhelming favorite to be the number two pick. Yeah. Joe Burrow, you'd have to put 10000 bucks on to win 100 I think Chase Young now, you'd have to spend almost 2500 if not more, to win 100 But that third pick is up for grabs, and my guess is the Lions are at least fielding offers. And so, yes, if somebody decides to trade to that pick, then it's assuredly going to be one of those two quarterbacks, and that changes the entire dynamic of how teams trade and how many teams trade. But like we just mentioned a few minutes ago, is this going to be a draft where trades are less likely because of connections and GMs and owners not being in the same room and personnel people being in a separate room than everyone else? You might see teams kind of just hold firm and say, unless something comes to us, we're right. not going to go out of our way to will and deal the way we would if we're all together. But yes, that is the wild card pick. The number three pick, or even I'll say the number four pick, because the Giants right now absolutely need an offensive tackle. And they could easily trade out a four, move into the teens or maybe somewhere between nine and 12, and then get a very good, reliable tackle that's, you know, there's four tackles that are considered elite prospects. You can trade out of that fourth pick. So between the Giants and the Lions, those teams do hold a lot of cards because the Dolphins at five and the Chargers at six are probably both going to take quarterbacks unless somebody else comes and swoops in and gets them beforehand. Yeah, it's like one of the uh, the rebuilding teams at the top, the Bengals and the Redskins. They're they're not really those. Can't would you say those out of control, crazy rebuilding teams? You know, those are the guys you want to look at if you want to if you want to cause something there. But I would look at uh, Matt this draft for the prospect factor. Ken brought up a good point. Everyone talks about how deep this class is at wide receiver. The quarterback, you know, the jury is out there, but tackle is always underrated in the NFL in the draft time and this is as deep of a tackle class as we've seen so there this is there's a premium my team the Browns specifically too I think tackles are going to go at a premium and they're going to go early as well yeah and and when you bring up the wide receiver you know we could talk about this later but uh, I've been doing some research on the over under for total wide receivers pick and it's like five and a half you can get plus 200 for under and I kind of like the under because of that reason because the wide receivers are so deep is it first yeah yeah in the first round and, uh, and I think, like, the Jets are going to take a tackle. But I just I want to circle back really quick to this third overall pick. Chase Young is plus 2,000 for third overall. Now, hear me out, okay? I know this oh, sounds crazy, but, you know, we're betting on the draft here. <laughs> so the thing is is that Too much bush everybody, knows, everybody knows that the Lions are probably going to trade, right? So if mm. you can't get in with the Lions, you are already going to start talking to the Redskins, who aren't 100% yeah, we've, we've talked about them maybe picking a quarterback. They could be swayed into trading that second pick. Let's say somebody gets that second pick, picks up Tua. All of a sudden, Chase Young is sitting at third. There's no way he falls out of the top three. Plus 2,000. There's some wow. good value there. 
I might throw ten bucks on that. Well, I throw ten down. Uh, well, there's one thing Kemp brought up that I, I also want to bring up, and that is the fact that the odds makers generally get this right when you see that big swing the couple days before. We're talking the top two, top three picks movement, the line movement like we saw with Chase Young. They're getting that from people, and I think they know that he's pretty much a sure thing. But, hey, it's $10. It's worth the odds. Why not? Uh, the number three pick, when you look at it, fellas, the Lions could stay there, and then what? If they don't want a quarterback, they're looking at Okuda, they're looking at Simmons, they're looking at a lineman. There's a chance that if they trade down, that the, that, that same player, whoever it is that they're looking at, is going to be there at six, at, at five, six, at seven. So I'm with you guys. I actually do think that a trade down would be the most likely outcome. And then I'll pose a question to uh, Kent, you first. Who's the team most likely to trade up to three, and what quarterback? Because now we've got this hotly tested debate between Tua and Herbert. So who is going to trade up and who are they going to take? Well, I think the one team that would actually have a pretty good, reasonable chance to pull this off if they want it, and that would be Jacksonville because Jacksonville has the ninth pick and Mm -hmm. the 20th pick. And if they give both of those picks plus their top pick in the second round, all of a sudden you're looking at the 42nd pick, the 20th and the ninth just to move up to three or four and the Jaguars need a quarterback. And if they believe in Herbert or they believe in Tua, that's the time to do it. Because if you're Detroit or New York Giants, again, you're right. You can fall back to nine and you'll get a pretty good top reliable player, whether it's a tackle or maybe it's a Simmons or a Cuda, somebody that, that slips down a few picks because of the quarterbacks and whoever else is taken. So that would be the team I think that could maybe pull it off. Carolina's not going to do it. I think right now they're fine with their the Bridgewater dynamic and going with that for a bit. Uh, Miami and L.A., if one of them absolutely loves one of those quarterbacks, then that's a team that could slightly trade up. Miami does have three first-round picks. The Chargers, on the other hand, aren't quite in the same boat. So for me, I would say the two out of the three teams that are in the state of Florida, and that is Jacksonville because they have multiple first-round picks and the Dolphins because they have multiple first-round picks. Those would be the two teams to me that if they're absolutely sold on Herbert or Tua and that third pick is aboard, those would be the two that I would say have most likely the chance to move up. I would just also want to throw in the Chargers because I still hold out you know, some hope that they're thinking that they might be able to move up and get the quarterback that they choose. Matt, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I didn't really see the Herbert-Tua debate raging on as hardcore. We can look at the betting odds, and it's a damn near photo finish to see who's going to get drafted higher, You know what position each is projected to be at. There's some good props that we're going to get into in a second, but this quarterback race uh, is going to go down to the wire, it looks like. I know, and it, it's kind of shocking to me. I mean, because when you look at it and you, uh, and you, and you see the, the spike from Tua being minus 500, and now he's, I think, plus 100 on BetMGM, and Herbert was plus 300, and now he's the favorite. There must, like, it's, it's a point that you made earlier. You think that they probably have heard some rumblings about uh, Herbert making some major, major movements, and you wonder if there's little inside information maybe on Tua's health. You know, maybe some stuff isn't 100% there, even though I know that, I know he's been cleared and stuff like that. But it's going to be really interesting. But I still I still believe in Tua. I know it doesn't matter. I'm just some yeah. some dude that's just throwing out an opinion. But I believe in Tua, man. I, I just, Herbert's fine. But I haven't – when I watch Tua play, he, he has a lot of the same abilities as, say, Deshaun Watson, say, Patrick Mahomes, kind of the way that, this, that mm-hmm. the league is going. I'm not sure Herbert has that. 
Well, we we watch a lot of college football that goes without saying, and we put a lot of money into that, you know. Uh, but we saw Herbert play last year. We saw Tua play, and I understand the injury concerns, and I also understand this is a weird year, a weird time where you can't get your doctors to check him out. You can't get your medical staff to look at him, and I almost wonder if that's what this is, what that's really driving at. And I understand the medical risk of you take a guy this high, he could be the second coming of Jesus in college. You just got to understand and know that he's going to be out there. And maybe that's a hard thing to, to understand. But, but when two is there and when Herbert's there, we have the tape and, and we saw what we saw. But Kent, I just, I got to think the medical side of this and the uncertainty in, in the COVID-19 you know, era when you can't get anyone to him might be a, a deciding factor if Herbert goes higher. Yeah, at this point, I'd be pretty surprised if Herbert's not the second quarterback taken. And a lot of that is the Dolphins, by all accounts, and anything you read or any of the tea leaves that are thrown out there, they're going to take Herbert over to uh, if mm. that happens. Now, if somebody trades up, if it's the Chargers, now the Chargers might be able to just stay put at six and get to, uh, and if that works out for them, great. But there might be somebody else that leapfrogs the Dolphins just to assure themselves of Tua or frankly trade with the Dolphins and thus the Dolphins can just go one pick later and get Herbert. But yes, the medical is a big part of this and there's a bunch of teams that are worried about this and it's understandable. It's not as much the hand and the wrist stuff that he hurt. It strictly is, or the ankle and all that it's the hip and not knowing long-term. I think in the short term, it looks like he's actually fine but three years from now, four years from now, if you're going to invest a top 10 pick in any player, let alone a quarterback, you want to pretty much assure yourself that you have that guy for the next decade at least if you're going to take that quarterback that early. And I don't know if a lot of teams feel that way about Tua at the moment. So that is one of the props that as of now, after what I'm seeing and looking at mock drafts that I trust and you know, listening to some podcasts and talking to some people I know that are you know in that field of knowing draft stuff, it seems pretty likely that right now Herbert's going to be the second quarterback. Mm -hmm. Who is going to be the third quarterback? And I would say I wouldn't do that. I mean, again, yeah. I don't have all the medical. I'm not somebody in a personnel staff that's ever talked to these people in terms of draft nope. prospects and all that. But in terms of just watching them play, two is a much better quarterback in my mm -hmm. opinion. But that all it takes is one team to believe the other way, and it looks like the Dolphins right now are pretty sold on Herbert as their guy over to us. That's where the picks five and six fall. Well, thank you, Kent, for clarifying that you've never been a doctor. That was uh, much needed. I, <laughs> no, no, I, I was wondering. I, said, I never I, knew. <laughs> I didn't say that. What I said is I haven't been in the discussions with the teams on all this sort of talk. So okay. I think overall, in terms of being a doctor, though, I okay. would say – Dr. Farthing and I kind of yeah. share the same medical degree, and uh, at times we've both had the same incidents happen by making a bad right. bet or two. Right. No, I get it. I, and I get that the Dolphins aren't really reliable making picks, that they're like as reliable as an Anton Phillips, uh, you know, Chevrolet. So we can just kind of move on now, Matt Gothard, Kent Brown here on... <laughs> The Money Mitch Effect talking uh, NFL draft, and I want to get right into the props, some of the bets, and just, just going to pose some lines to you guys and, and get some instant reaction to it. We'll start where we were, the quarterback position. And the first thing I'm looking at, guys, we were just talking about it, is Tua's draft position. The line right now that I'm seeing, the, the set line is 5.5, and, 
And remarkably, where we are right now today with all the movement is if it's under 5.5, it's minus 160, over 5.5 plus 120. Fellas, what do you think? Uh, that's tough because I know when it first opened, it was uh, it was at 3 or something. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely obviously went down. I guess you go with the plus money. It's just thinking that things will things will change. But with the quarterback fever, man, it's uh, it's dangerous. I, I guess I'd say, I still think. Yeah, I still say, I still think he's going to get picked early, man. Still think he's going to get picked early. So you could, in theory, if you want to really, uh, I mean, realistically, what we're talking about with Kent, I mean, Herbert right now, two is the favorite to be the second quarterback taken, minus one sixty. There, you can get Herbert plus one ten to be the second quarterback taken. And if you're feeling really bold and you think someone's going to trade up for Tua, maybe obviously not the Dolphins. Tua at the third overall pick is plus four hundred right now. So. There's some options yeah. there to sprinkle, but Kent, how would you attack betting on the quarterback uh, situation to his spot specifically? Yeah, the the ones I would like to say there is I would go with the bet Tua as your third quarterback drafted. I've seen that. You know, it could be plus one ten. It Looks could like be one thirty. You know, yeah, that's pretty good. Plus one thirty. I would go for that, and then Herbert as your second quarterback drafted right now. I don't know if some team trades up to three or four. How they feel about those two players. But it just does seem to be within this last four to five days or specifically the last two to three days, two has now moved down a bunch in terms of these uh, betting boards, whether you're on BetMGM, whether you're looking at the offshore stuff or whatever book you're looking at. Tua's odds are significantly going down day to day. So that's what I would stick with. Tua as your third quarterback drafted, Justin Herbert as your second quarterback drafted. And as I said earlier. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't. If I had to make that pick, I'm taking Tua. I'm not taking Herbert. I, I've watched a lot of Herbert. I don't think Justin Herbert's an elite prospect. I feel like Tua has a chance to be the best prospect or close to it in this draft. I feel like Herbert, best case, is like the 10th to 15th best player in this draft. So I don't really if, understand why a team would do that. Mm-hmm. What if we're just overthinking this? Like I'm looking at these Tua, the Tua draft prospects. The Lions are plus fourteen hundred to pick Tua. They're already there at three. Like, what if they just stay and draft yeah. the guy? I mean, plus fourteen to one is not I, bad odds for I somebody who's already there. I uh, I think first point would be if Kenson tells right, you would need two probably two teams to trade up into the top five for Tua to to still be a top five pick, and I don't know that that necessarily happens. Uh, Matt, with what you're saying to the Lions taking two, I thought about it originally. I don't think Stafford's like this holy grail quarterback, but if you're a Lions team that has some significant weaknesses in the secondary on the line and you're in this prime spot, I think the value for making your team better as much as possible would be to trade down. So that's why yeah. I think that's where that's at. But you know, if they stay at three, I did, I did want to bring up one other prop for you guys. I don't know how likely this is, but Ken, if you don't think a trade – does happen maybe they get conservative you know technology something happens there's some hacking involved i don't know uh joe burrow chase young and okuda if you call it in exact order that's plus 135 any chance you think that might happen yeah i mean that's the favorite as of now if the lions don't trade out of that pick uh i would i think isaiah simmons is in that mix too just because if the lions want to go with a guy that has the upside uh Generally, you side with cornerbacks anytime over linebackers. So I would think you would lean towards taking the corner there. Uh, but yeah, I think right now that's probably your most likely one, two, and three, unless the Lions trade out of it. I also think what's funny about all of this stuff and going over specifically that third pick, 
right now, I, if you look at the NFL blueprint this last decade, and you're seeing it with Pat Mahomes, he's under a relatively cheap deal because he's only a few years into the league. Uh, you saw this with Russell Wilson for years. These teams are paying their veterans so much that if you can trade a Matt Stafford, get his $30 million plus off the books, get Tua on a rookie deal, <laughs> and frankly, he's probably every bit as good as Stafford, if not better, for the next four or five years, that's how teams win a lot. It's when you then have to pay your quarterback the big money, which, yeah. you you know, he's good, you, you'll do it. But right now you look at some of these teams, you know, Lamar Jackson on a cheap right. deal, Pat Mahomes on a cheap deal. That's what made Seattle so valuable for so long. I look at the Lions and I, man, I wish, and maybe they haven't been, but you would think that they would have been trying to trade Stafford the last two months. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they're sold on an aging veteran that's proven himself as, relatively speaking, a nobody. He's never won a playoff game. I don't know why you wouldn't draft Tua, trade Stafford, and see what happens and then have that extra money to go after some you know, top-tier guys over the next few years. Well, that's how a team starts starts winning like right away. That's how they turn it around quickly if the quarterback is the last piece. So, you know, I understand I understand the thought process of let's go with Tua. Again, I think the injury is going to play a factor into making that bold move, and the Lions could get some value. Just also want to bring up the point. You mentioned one of the two prospects named Simmons and out of Clemson, and Derek Brown and Auburn. I think those guys might slide. One of them, maybe both of them, slide a little bit with this QB frenzy you know, QB fever draft, those guys are going to make impacts right away. So there's the possibility that in the first maybe six, seven, even eight, Browns over under is like eight and a half right now at the pick selection. I think that's a surefire player right away. Yeah, exactly. You, you, all, you can always insert a defensive tackle and guys like that and they'll normally be contributors. But again, if you're the Lions, this is a franchise that has not won a playoff game in any of our lifetimes and they've barely made the playoffs over the last 30 years and yet they're going to just roll with the quarterback that has proven himself as you know he's he's a big numbers guy but can't win anything I just I don't understand like there's a reason why the good franchises are and frankly I'm kind of interested in how this draft ends up and I think the really good franchises are going to show that they have great personnel people they're very well structured and they're going to have good drafts and you're going to see the teams that normally don't draft well and have a lot of confusion they'll probably be even worse because yeah. they're just not fundamentally sound as a franchise and the lions are absolutely one of those franchises the last note i want to say on the quarterbacks is with that first team to trade that's going to be breaking the seal breaking the ice uh, whether it's somebody to move up in the three spot if that doesn't happen then there might not be any movement you might see what happens do the dolphins take a Q qb the chargers at six jacksonville at nine might not have to do too much at all if they really do want a quarterback all right matt i want to switch my attention to another skill position wide receivers we've been following this a lot you mentioned all the surefire prospects is there one in particular you like, you feel good about being the first taken off the board? You got the two at Alabama, you got C.D. Lamb, you got some other options, Jefferson from LSU. Who do you like as that first receiver taken? You know, I like uh, Jerry Judy, I think, is the favorite still. I don't, I'm not sure if, if there's, I know they've been kind of moving back and forth, but I still like Judy to be the first overall picked, but I kind of also like taking the Raiders to take Judy at uh at plus 200 i think is what you can get him at and all you need there is for the 49ers to decide not to take a wide receiver i mean obviously the jets do but i kind of if, if you're if you're trying to get a little bit extra money i think i'd take judy to the raiders but judy first overall 
Judy actually fell behind Lamb. It's like it's neck and neck. It, obviously, you can look at different sites and see it. I'm seeing Lamb at minus one ten, Judy at plus one twenty. Can't the quantity of receivers? Because that same site's offering, you know, Lamb's over under is twelve and a half. So he'd have to go, you know, in that Raider spot a little higher, maybe. But will teams wait? Will teams say, you know what? There's so many, we don't need to address that right away, and with that result in a lot of receivers sliding. Yeah, I think you're going to see there's definitely the three receivers that will go in the top 25, probably top 20, and that is, in some order, Judy, Lamb, and Ruggs. After that, it becomes a debate on Justin Jefferson, Denzel Mims, T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, whoever else is in that mix. I would say I, I like Gothard's pick of Judy to the Raiders. I've seen it. I saw it earlier this afternoon at plus 300, which I think is a really good value pick because that means either CD Lamb goes to the Jets and then it's a no brainer that they take Judy, mm-hmm. or they just have to decide between the two yeah. if the Jets take a tackle, which I think they're more likely to do. So I like Gothard's pick on that one. The wide receiver I have been hearing a lot about and just sort of in the last four days, five days, Denzel Mims is a guy yeah. that I, I'm i almost guaranteed is going to go in the first round. Wow. I saw him at, my, I like I saw him at my, minus 145. That's one of my best bets. I think Mims is almost a lock to go in the first round. And then there's also another bet, at least on BMGM, that's a head-to-head, and it's who will be drafted first, Mims or T. Higgins. I'm And Mims is only minus 155. Higgins is plus 130. I would like Mims on both of those. Take Mims to be a first-round pick at minus 145, and then take Mims to go over T. Higgins at minus 155. You're not putting a bunch of juice down. You're not having to risk minus 300 or 400 or anything crazy. And I'm now I'm pretty sold that Mims is going to be that fifth receiver, if not the fourth receiver. I, the first three are set. Justin Jefferson is going to probably fall somewhere in the first. And then Mims, I think, will be that fifth guy that goes in the first round. And uh, at this point, I think it's, you know, if not, again, not right. quite a lock, but 80 to 85% likelihood he goes in the first. So are we feeling good, though, about under five and a half in the first round? Because it sounds like with Higgins and Mims, you're looking at potentially six, and then, you know, that bet gets to over. Yeah, I would still go under. I think we'll have five. I would say that. So Higgins doesn't make the cut. He's an early second round guy. Yeah, Higgins okay. is early second. Brandon Ayuk, Jalen yeah. Rager, still those such type a deep class. I mean, Jesus, those guys like to be in that second batch, and they're all very talented. Matt, here's one for you though. I would have some fun with this. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but we kind of know who the top three are. Just call your shot of the order because you can have some fun with that. Yeah. Now, what do you think yeah. in Judy Lamb Rugs? Would that be your bet? I think I would take yeah Judy Lamb Rugs okay. or plus if you really wanted to get if you wanted to get risky you could do Rugs Judy Lamb wow kind of like that <laughs> plus just because it's... <laughs> you just took us to the deep end my friend <laughs> well Rugs is going to be interesting Jacksonville's a team at nine though to watch yeah. out for because a they're such a weird franchise yeah, they just cut Marquis just... Lee today right or is that well yes, that's yeah. That's the thing. They just cut Marquise Lee, and he's healthy. He's not injured. There's nothing wrong with him. He's been, over the last four or five years, one of their top two productive receivers in their franchise. They got rid of him. 
Uh, no, they have two picks, so maybe a pick 20 if they don't trade up. That's where they get their receiver. But it wouldn't shock me. I mean, we've seen them take Bortles in the top five. We've seen them take Blaine Gabbert back in the day. You and I were joking earlier, Tony Khan, who's the co-team president and one of the GMs, his father's the owner of the team. He was in a Twitter battle with Yannick Ngakwe, their defensive end, and mm-hmm. Ngakwe's giving him shit. And we know <laughs> as wrestling fans that Tony Khan is a big-time wrestling promoter now, but as a GM and analytics guy, he hasn't been all that great in Jacksonville. Oh. Maybe they just go, they take a receiver at nine, and then that throws off the whole dynamic. I have a feeling that if you can get to that pick 12, and Oakland's the first team that takes a receiver, that it will go five or less. But it really it's so weird because you get into that back end of the of the draft and a lot of those teams that already are you know they're super bowl caliber teams they're playoff teams that's why they're picking in the 20s some of them might have the luxury of saying we'll wait on a receiver till round three because we're in no hurry and others might go we have nothing else to lose our team's pretty set Let's just take the best available, and that might be Brandon Ayuk, or that might be Mims. It's it's so hard Mm -hmm. to know, but I'm going to stick with uh, Gothard on that one and say it's probably going to be five. It wouldn't shock me if it's six. It's not like it would shock me if some team at, you know, pick 29 all of a sudden the Titans take one, and that's the sixth pick. But I would lean towards saying five right now. You know, they look at picks 18 to 25-ish and say, what's the difference between, you know, picking in the second, let's trade down, get more ammo. A lot of these talents are the same. Just want to say one thing. Obviously, respect what he's done and don't want to speak ill of those gone. But I'm so glad Al Davis isn't alive to mess up this draft in our prop bets. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know Ruggs would go way too high. He'd probably trade up. There'd be just a bunch of messes going on. He'd see that 40 time, and we'd just have all all sorts of problems with trying to bet this thing. So Yeah, he'd give up like their first three picks to move into the top seven. And trade for rocks. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, not normally, but in this case, I'm kind of glad Al Davis is dead. All right. So now on to the running back position. I, I do want to continue here on with the Money Mitch effect, Kent Brown, Matt Gothard. We see it time and time again. Running backs are not going as high as they used to. Uh, we probably won't see one in the first round of this draft, guys. Do we feel good about that bet? Or do you think someone sneaks in late in the first round? Uh, Matt, looking at you first. Running back in the first round. I think... Yeah, I mean, the problem is is I've been looking at a bunch of mock drafts in the last, like, 48 hours, just mainly to write some content and try to make some stuff around this. I don't think I've seen a single one with a running back going in the first round. I don't think I've seen a single one. So I would have to say no. Kent, I mean, I know it's minus money, but it seems like it's more more safe than not. I mean, you're not going to have safety safety for sure. But with Swift, with Dobbins, you know, with other options, do you feel confident that we're not going to see one picked on night one? No, and I think a lot of it is Miami has three picks in the first round, and they desperately need a running back. So I think if Swift's there at 26, they might pull the trigger. The other thing is, how much do they feel Swift is better than Edwards Alaire or Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins or any of those guys? Because it really just goes down to, And again, I wouldn't take a running back in the first round. I think it's one of the dumbest things you can do in a draft, especially in the top 10. But if you're having a luxury pick and then you want to add to your team, Kansas City at 32, I think if DeAndre Swift's around at 32, he would fit really nicely in a Kansas City offense currently. And that would be a pretty smart pick for them to make just based on the fact that he now becomes their best running back coming off a Super Bowl 
win. So I would say I'll go over. I think Swift ends up between Miami or Kansas City at one of those two picks. It wouldn't even completely shock me if Baltimore goes running back, as weird as that sounds, just because they run the football so much that if they can get a guy that they absolutely believe can get them 10 to 12 touches a week and he's available at pick, what are they, 28? That's not a bad idea for them because you can't just keep having Lamar Jackson go out there and Mark Ingram and just punish those two guys. So between Miami at 26, Baltimore at 28, and San Francisco, or sorry, in Kansas City at 32, one of those three I think will take a running back and thus the over goes you know, it's a half. It's an you know, it's it's a half. Mm-hmm. So I think one one goes off the board, and it's probably Swift. Yeah, I, I think it is. I, to clarify what I said, I misspoke. You do get a little bit of a good payout, maybe in the plus one fifty, plus one sixty range, if you bet it, and no running backs are taken. Swift seems to be the consensus number one, at least in the rankings. But again, not really sure what teams are going to do. Dobbins, Edwards, Halir, uh, and Cam Akers out of Florida State. What do you think, Matt, about this running back class and if there's any value in, in you know, kind of betting on some props for where these guys are going to go and, and who might take a chance on them? I guess I, I it's one of those – running back is such a hard position. And I know that Kent, it's like one of Kent's least favorite positions in the NFL. Maybe not least favorite, but he's very against drafting them early. He's very he hates against them personally. them. He definitely hates them <laughs> He personally. hates them. They, they, they've personally done bad things to him. Uh, you know, it, it's such a hard thing to, to – to get a real read on, especially with no major players. I mean, I think Swift is solid, but um, I'm really, honestly, in all my bets for the draft, there's plenty of them, and most of them are not running back related. That's a good point. I I just, the reliability factor, it's hard to really, it's it's hard to really know because if we only see Swift go in the first round, we get to the second, third round. That's when teams have the luxury to say, you know, this guy fits our system better. And we can go through the last five, six drafts and look at the order of running backs ranked versus where they were drafted and say this doesn't add up. In some cases, the scouts look like geniuses. In the other cases, they look very dumb for what they did. So that is true. I think running backs are unpredictable. Kent, uh, anything to add or you just want to bash them a little bit? I would say I am very much hoping, speaking of running backs, I want Cam Akers to fall to 49 to go to the Steelers. I love I, I hate Florida State, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I think Cam Akers would be a perfect complement to James Conner. He's a much different runner. Uh, he has, you know, top end acceleration. He's, you know, a really reliable third down back, worst case. I feel like he would become their number one running back throughout the course of the season. But yeah, I, I think overall, I get why teams are no longer drafting running backs that early. And this is a really good running back draft. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn at Vanderbilt or Darrington Evans at App State are all of a sudden number one running backs for some team in a year or two. And those guys might go day three of the NFL draft. So overall, I think you're looking at teams being a bit smarter about running backs and also knowing which type of running backs translate to the NFL. If you're looking at the Jaguars, for instance, which I poked fun at a couple times already, the Jaguars took Leonard Fournette top five and now they're just basically trying to give him away. Leonard Fournette doesn't translate to 2019 or 2020 NFL. Yeah. Derrick Henry, as much as Derrick Henry was great last year, I wouldn't want to put money in him going forward much because how translatable is he to the game in the next three years? And also the key is, can they pass block? In the NFL nowadays, if you can't pass block, 
you really can't play three downs in the NFL. And if you look at a guy like Jonathan Taylor, there's some real questions about that. Uh, I would say DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. There's no questions about them when it comes to pass catching or pass blocking. So those would be the three guys I think that would be most likely to get that first-round pick. But, hey, I'm, as I said, I, I'm hoping Akers falls to the Steelers at 49. I think that would work very well. That Florida State and uh, Pittsburgh connection would be something for sure. Uh, <laughs> all right, guys, before we wrap this up, I want to throw out some other props and let you guys you know, throw out some that you like as well. Uh, we should mention, you know, all that quarterback talk. The fourth guy, Jordan Love, 19 and a half is uh, that draft position. It's minus 200 for the over. So it, that's kind of where they're seeing him going. But we could see that fourth QB, a team kind of, you know, make a move and draft him. What do you guys feel about Jordan Love, the the, uh, the possibility that Utah State's guy can make a move? I feel like he's going to be a Green Bay Packer. That would be my... Uh... That's well, my take on him. The is that he's he's going to go to the Packers at 30. Yeah, the consensus being that you could – this guy has a lot of potential, but he's going to need to rest, learn. He's, he's super raw in that regard. Uh, so a team like Green Bay, maybe a team like New Orleans, a place where he can sit and learn. I think the over 19 and a half, it's not the best payout, but I feel, I feel somewhat good that he's not going to go before 19. That'd just be such a risk in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think it's over 19, and I love the fact that you said New Orleans. I think 24 in New Orleans makes way more sense than even Green Bay just because I think if Aaron Rodgers has any clout in that organization, which he should, he has to be looking at this team as we're getting close, we're not too far off. How is trading or how is drafting my backup going to help us win this year? And the answer is it's not. Where for New Orleans, Drew Brees – you know, he already has that NBC contract lined up where he's going to be announcing the Notre Dame games on NBC when he retires and then eventually will take over for Collinsworth down the line. Drew Brees, this is pretty much, by all accounts, his final season, and we know that. And for the Saints, they've also apparently like really liked Jordan Love even more than Herbert and potentially more than Tua. So if he's available at pick 24, I feel, you know, I wouldn't say – I feel great about it, but I think there's more than a 50% chance they take Jordan Love, have him back up Drew Brees, and he's ready to go, and then you cash that ticket for over 19. I like it. I like it a lot, and I think it makes sense, and I just don't see a team you know, risking up, moving up uh, inside in that teen range to get him. Uh, all right, fellas, before we, uh, before we bid adieu, NFL Draft 2020, what are some other props that you like? Matt, I know you have a few that we haven't gotten to. Yeah, I currently have three internet browser tabs open right now, and one is the bet of GM odds. You don't have to tell us all the tabs. <laughs> Go ahead. No, I'm telling you the tabs. The second tab is you porn. the – No, no, it is. The second tab is could Jalen Hurts be a first-round pick? And the third tab is are there any sports books in Iowa open during COVID-19 crisis? Because I love – I love Jalen Hurts at plus twelve hundred to be drafted in the first round. Wow, going I'm telling you, I think the Raiders. I think the Raiders are going to pick him up. That's such a Raiders move. They got two picks in the top in the in the first round. I could easily see them trying to sneak him in there. I, I honestly, it's my favorite. I, I just found it while we've been on the phone because I have ADD, and I need to find somebody that will take that action because I I love that pick. Wow. Um... Man, that is that is aggressive. Can I just offer maybe another another slightly? It's not even a hedge, but it's something that might help you out a little bit because you can get him versus like Eason, 
and he's the the plus odds there. You can say that he's going to be drafted <laughs> higher than Jacob Eason, get a little payout that if it's not in the first round, you still get something out of it. But, man, I I, I don't know about Hurts, though, because that, that, that is going to be the issue with our team's really going to risk going all the way up into the first round to get him. That just seems like a second-round pick. I don't know. I mean, the, the odds are saying second-round pick, but at 12-1, to 1, Mitch, sometimes you just got to let it fly. It only takes I'll one. leave you with that. It only takes one. Uh, Kent, what are you looking at? Other props. Well, not, again, not if, tabs. Don't tell me tabs. Just yeah. other props. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know if I, I – I would say, I mean, I don't know if the dark web has tabs personally. But uh, J- Jordan Love by the Saints, if you do make that pick and he goes 24th or just – frankly, if he's drafted by the Saints, it's plus 500. So probably worth throwing 20 bucks on and seeing if you can win 100 bucks. The other one that's starting to trend this way, and it wasn't this way five days ago, four days ago, Tristan Wirfs was the favorite to be the first offensive tackle taken. Now it is Jedrick Wills as that first offensive lineman. So by that account, I have a feeling the Giants are most likely, if they don't trade out, Jedrick Wills will be their guy over Wirfs. So it, it's a, basically a coin flip bet. It's mm-hmm. Wills minus 105 or Wirfs minus 115. Yeah. I would lean towards Wills because that's where the trends are going. And then another one that I like, Alabama under five and a half first round picks. Now, again, Jalen Hurts wouldn't count even yeah. if Gothard hits his 12 to one because he's considered Oklahoma. But to me, there's four locks. They have the two receivers. Tua. They have Jedrick Wills. And then they have Tua. But outside of that, it's really can Trayvon Diggs and Xavier McKinney both go in the first round. And I don't think either of those will be a first round pick. Maybe one of them. That's only minus 130 if you take the Mm. under five and a half for Bama. So I feel pretty good that they're probably going to get four or five. I don't I really doubt it's six. And if that's the case, minus 130 is not bad juice. So I would throw a little bit on that as well. Simmons under six and a half is plus 105. I think it would take multiple teams trading up to get quarterbacks for that to happen. Something to consider there. But we, like we said, we do have players that, that slide uh, every year. Any chance, Kent, that your boy's not the first tight end taken? Because you can get that, some real action if he's not. He's the overwhelming favorite. Yeah, I saw that, and that was a little bit weird to me. It's one thing to think that Cole Komet might not go in the first round, which seems unlikely. But all it takes is for one team to mm-hmm. believe in any of the other tight ends. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe instead of Cole Komet being picked 51, he goes picked 58. And you have Harrison Bryant or some guy like that going ahead of him. So, yeah, I would say if you want to wait or maybe that's a good bet heading into day two, you kind of see how things are playing out and you make that bet on Friday and sort of make your Thursday bets and then have something in the tank for Friday to go whenever that round starts in round two. So yeah, it wouldn't shock me if somebody goes other than Komet. I think it's likely clearly, but who's to say that one team or four teams don't have them rated number one on their boards and they want the tight end in that position. It could easily happen. Yeah. You're looking at plus plus one sixty five for the field. So uh, I think that's worth, worth something. Uh, And then, you know, every year I like to pick someone later in the draft at a position of strength and see if, uh, you know, what their odds are. The one that I really like in this one, Boise State tackle, Ezra Cleveland, not just because of the name, yes, is plus 105 to be a first-round <laughs> pick. And I think that there's a real chance late in the first round that he goes. I think that's solid odds given that, I think, like I said at the beginning, tackles are going to be a premium. So 
Uh, oh, and that, that's the other one, too. I do think over six and a half offensive linemen, that's at minus 130. Because, again, there's four locks. Wills, Wirfs, Becton, and Thomas are all locks. Austin Jackson, I feel like with his athleticism and the fact that, you know, he's a plug-and-play guy, he's going to start. One of Cesar Ruiz or Lloyd Cushenberry, one of those interior linemen are probably going to go late in the in the first round. Ruiz seemingly mocked to Kansas City in a mm. bunch of mock drafts. And so that would just mean that between Cleveland, Josh Jones, one of those guys, if any of them go in the first round, that's seven, if not eight, offensive linemen. So at minus 130, I do feel like over six and a half is pretty likely. I think the Browns take a tackle. They might trade down and still take a tackle. I really hope it's not Ruiz because obviously he goes to Michigan and went to Michigan. And, Matt, it would be great if no Michigan players were drafted in the first round. Right, just like Michigan State. (laughs) <laughs> that's true well you brought it up i didn't there but uh you know michigan's the one with all the expectations and everything so. by the way did you see gothard if you haven't seen this i was looking at the season team totals for college football next year that are out take a guess what michigan state's over under wins are six four and a half. Oh man well you know what i'm taking the under because college sports aren't going to happen <laughs> wait, wait, there's no way you get paid out of it. <laughs> if you find the sports book that pays out of it. Yeah, if we can all find a bookie, if we can all find a bookie to every make under. those bets. Yeah, yeah, take every <laughs> under and then tell a bookie, well, dude, it went under the number. You owe me. Yeah. Hey, I would. Well, I, I, I don't know if I get paid. But. We can we can end with this. I'm I'm more optimistic. I know it's more of a serious topic, but – I think that we would, in some fashion, it might be a little weird. It might be different. There might not be fans for some of it. But I think we're going to have college football. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, it's tough to think that you could put the kids out there if they're not all in normal school. You know, like I don't think – I think if if you're having online classes, you can't have practice. But I'd like to think your way too, Mitch, and I'm going to keep my fingers crossed. So if that would be four or five months from now, I mean, there could even be a slight delay to the start of the season. But – uh, I'm, I'm hopeful, maybe too optimistic, that the timeline gives us enough time to figure out a way to make this work and you know resume school in, in that way as well. Yeah, it was very much yeah. – uh, I, I was trying to figure out this weekend about uh, going to Augusta National in mid-November for the Masters, and that same weekend Notre Dame plays Georgia Tech at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, you know what, they're probably not going to actually have a college football season and the masters will probably have no crowd so i I, you know basically i think it's already been determined with college football unless the students are back in session they're not going to have the season so it's one of those if you have ohio state's campuses full of all the students then they'll probably have it but if as gothard said if you're doing online classes or if you're doing everything away from campus i don't really see how they can justify that nfl will have their season with no fans i don't think college can really pull it off but I, I hopefully within three or four months things change. It's going to be sad if we don't have college football for a lot of us. Um, yes. I don't know. I know there'll be a lot of more more poker nights, but I just I, we need college football in our life in the fall. We need to unite around rooting against Michigan, bringing all our fan bases I know. together. And uh, well, worst know. case, Harbaugh just doesn't win another Big Ten title. You know what I mean? Like it's just another season we can all sleep well, just knowing they didn't make it again. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's not as fun when he actively gives it away, but um, you know, yeah. I miss. I even miss rooting against Harbaugh. I don't know what to say. Um, all right, fellas, this was fun. 
I, I know you guys are uh, are staying active during this shutdown, but it was it was good to kind of get together and, and talk betting, talk football, bring the minds together from a couple different time zones. I appreciate you guys coming on the show. Thanks, man. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. All right, big thanks to both Kent Brown and Matt Gothard for coming on today's show. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, as always. And the other big news was Rob Gronkowski is going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It seems like it was wishful thinking at first, but Gronk wants to play. He's out of that one-year mini-retirement, that maintenance year off, and he's back playing with Tom Brady. So props to the Bucks for that embarrassment of riches on the offensive side. Tom Brady wants to win now. The Bucks host the Super Bowl next year, so that would be something with the 42, soon to be 43-year-old quarterback now getting his prized possession in Gronk. And the Pats get a free fourth-round draft pick, essentially a guy that you know wasn't going to even be part of the future. The Pats get something out of it. So the Belichick rebuild has started. Edelman's trapped at home like Will Smith at the end of Fresh Prince. Uh, it is going to be fun to see what happens. We're all hoping that the NFL season uh, gets going. Again, be safe out there in the face of this pandemic. Thanks again to Kent Brown and Matt Gothard. We'll see when the next episode is. Probably next week to recap the draft. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Check it out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. And we'll see you next time.